Oh, Father God, what a joy is ours this morning to gather in Your presence as Your people and to sing glory, glory to our great God, this great God who has created all things out of nothing, this great God who holds all things together, this great God who loves sinners like us so much. That because you love, you gave. And oh, how you gave. You gave your Son to come and to seek and to save the lost. And and God, today, sadly, we have such an image of of loss in our minds with what is happening in Japan. And we, we thank you, God, that you are a God who's good. And you are a God who's in control. And you are a God who seeks the lost and the broken. And oh, how you are powerful to heal and to mend. God, you say that we don't have to come in here with animals to kill. You say you don't have to come in here with a a great sacrifice to give. That the sacrifice we're to give is, is love. Because you loved us. And Father, you say that we're to love you with all of our hearts and with all of our strength and our soul and our mind. And, and even in the Scripture today, you say, we're to love you with, with our understanding. But the reality is, is that we see so dimly. So God, would you come? For your glory, would you come? For your fame, for your renown, for your church, for your people, will you come? Would you come with power so that you will be teacher Because we want to love You with our minds. We want to love You with our understanding. But our minds are darkened. Our understanding is so fragile. So come and open up our ears to hear Your voice. You can do it. Speak through this broken vessel. Father, shine Your truth, the truth of the Gospel, into the darkness of our minds. Father, lovingly take our hearts into Your hands and and break the parts that don't believe. And give us hearts that beat for You and believe. God, thank You for the gift of belief. We ask You would help our unbelief. Our our non-understanding. But Father God, there's a world out there that needs to know about You and Your love. So God, it's it's more than us just coming and soaking and and receiving. God, You want us to receive so we can give because that's what You are. You're a giving God and You're choosing to give through us and we're humbled. We're amazed at Your plan. Because that is Your plan. We ask for Your glory, for Your glory, for Your fame, for Your world, for Your people, for Your church, for those who are lost and broken. May we walk in obedience to Your truth. God, only you could do that. So come and be teacher. Give yourself glory. Give us joy and challenge, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God has a plan. God always has had a plan. Good news is, is God's plan hasn't changed. Oh, how the world's changed. Oh, how the world seems to be out of control even today. Isn't it true? But God has a plan, and God's plan was, and God's plan is, and God's plan always will be to fill the whole earth with His love. To fill 
every crevice of planet Earth, of this entire world, with His presence, His love, and maybe we could say it's His glory. It's always been His plan to fill the whole Earth with His glory. You know, He could have done it when He created the whole world. He could have done it immediately. He could do it now. He could say, all right, right now, this world is so hurting, this world so much needs my love, that immediately, right now, he could return, or supernaturally, he's God, he could fill the whole earth with his glory and love. Can he not? If he can't, well, he's not God. But God, his ways are not our ways. He's a mysterious God. I mean, clearly, you can't have what happened in Japan and not know that, God, your ways aren't our ways. You're you're mysterious. You're in control and you're good and yet look what happened. Man, that's a tension, isn't it? But this mysterious God whose plan always has been, always will be to fill the earth with His glory. And by the way, His plan will succeed. Heaven and earth will meet. But His plan, amazingly, is to use you and me to fill this whole earth with His love. That's been His plan from the beginning. He's taking his people. He's going to love you so much. I'm going to change you from the inside out. And by the way, I'm going to use you to do the greatest task of all. Fill this whole earth, this whole world with my love, my presence. Do you believe it? No, seriously, I want to ask you this. This is important we start. Do you really believe that God wants to change the world? Do you really believe it? You know, I think there's a, there's a, Satan's been lying to us uh, from the beginning, uh, telling us that that's not really the plan or that's not really the way we should go. Do you really believe that God is passionate about the world he created? Do you really believe that God's passion burns everywhere to fill his glory? Do you believe what Abraham Kuyper once said about this earth? He said, there's not one square inch of earth that Jesus doesn't declare mine and fill it with his glory. Do you believe it? Do you believe it will happen? I said, I know our God wins. I've read the book. I've gotten to the end. And I know he wins. But do you believe it? Are you living your life in light of the fact that God's victory is secure and his plan has never changed? And here's the next thing that we have a tendency not to believe. That God wants to change the world through you. And through me. His people. His church. To fill it with His love. God's plan to change the world, this is such good news, into what He wants it to be, is not through war. It's not through bigotry. It's not through hatred and strife. Does anybody know what God wants to use to change the whole world? Love. Love. That's how God conquers us. He so loves us. That's how God conquers the world. He so loves the world. God's plan to change everything is through love. Because God is God and and, and God's word tells us that God is is everywhere and he's all powerful, he's all knowing. But know what else it says about God? It says this, God is love. Because God is God and God is love. Love finds its source in God. If you love and I know you do, whether it's your pet, your kids, your wife, uh, the gators for goodness sakes, or whatever you love, it all finds its source in a God who loves. That's where it comes from. Because God's love, and we're made in his image, guess what? Good news, we're able to love. 
Not only does it find its source in God, it also finds its definition in God. God tells us what true love is, pure love is. And because we're sinners and we're broken, man, oh man, do we get this love thing wrong sometimes. We've got to continually look to Him. What does it mean? But we know this about God. He so loved, God so loved, He gave. An amazing thing about God is His love is so undiscriminating. It's so amazing that God so loved sinners that He gave. He so loved the broken. He so loved the lost that He gave. And what did He give? He gave what he could, he couldn't give anything more. He gave his son. God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. Jesus so loved us that he became one of us. The only way we could truly know love is to be able to touch it, be able to see it, be able to become one of us. God so loved, he gave. And now he asks us to give back. Since God loves and because God gave, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense of this God who loves and wants to fill the earth with his glory. It makes sense that when we come to the greatest commandment, when we come to the point in Scripture where Jesus is going to summarize everything, he's going to look to these 66 books and everything that the law and the prophets point to, and he says, it really is all about love. If you want to hang it, hang all of Scripture on anything, here it is. It's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, that marvelous plan of God's hasn't changed. Fill this earth with my love. Know it and share it. This is how God wants us to view the world. We're going to talk today about loving God with all of our mind, and basically this boils down to worldview. This boils down to how should we see this broken, twisted, sin-torn world in the midst of our own brokenness, our own sin, our own being torn apart? How should we see it? What should our worldview be? Well, Scripture tells us, listen, you know, love God with everything you got, including your mind, so that your, your, your worldview, your mind's eye, so that everything that you see life through is for the end goal that this whole earth is filled with God's love. That's why you're here. That's why we're here. That's what it's all about. To love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. All right, we're in this series, and we looked at the heart first thing. What does it mean to love the Lord our God with all of our heart? For quick review, it's this. It's not making a little bit more room for Jesus like some of us had thought growing up. Really loving God with all of our heart is a complete different issue. It's all about ownership. Loving God with our heart is saying, God, you've created it. Jesus' blood has purchased it. My heart is your heart. And I'm going to give you my heart. Thy will be done. It's basically take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. Those who know that old hymn, right? So what's basically saying? God, take my heart. Love the world through my heart. And, and, and met, let my life be consecrated to you. Loving the Lord with all of our soul is basically our wills. And basically it's saying, thy will be done. Loving the Lord with all of our, our, our soul is basically no longer pursuing the American dream. No longer pursuing what we feel is best. It's really bowing our lives, our dreams, our wants, everything we have to God as Jesus did even in the garden. And saying, thy will be done. That will be done in my life. And you know, there's such good news. Giving him your heart and giving him your will. 
You don't lose your life. Well, in a sense, but you, you really find His. And His life is everything. So today we get to loving God with all of our minds. And again, it's, it's this worldview. It's, it's how we are to see the world. A couple more weeks to go, so make sure you don't miss any. All right, a couple weeks ago, I did something I don't get a chance to do very often, something that you all, some of you, do all the time. I was take a business trip. A couple weeks ago, I uh, was able to get on a plane and, and fly to Atlanta for a meeting. Um, you know, I haven't done it very often, so the novelty of a business trip hasn't worn off. And I don't know, there's something about it. you feel special. You got to fly somewhere. Someone's flying you to a meeting, and you know, I, again, some of you hate it because you've done it so much, and some of you just the thought of security and going through those lines, you're like, oh my goodness, you know. But for me, it was kind of exciting. Maybe it's because of what I was doing. I had our denominational college, Covenant College, flying me to Atlanta for an advisory committee meeting. Now, again, this is our, our denominations college, plus I have two of my own kids at Covenant College, and they were flying me and other pastors in to ask our opinions. I'm telling you what, it was the greatest gig of my life. They flew me up there. I show up at the meeting. I tell them my opinion, and I go home. Responsible for nothing. No worries. Your problem's not mine. you got to figure it out. You see, my job is hearing all your opinions and trying to make them work, right? So here I am just saying, okay, let me give you my opinions. Here they are. Where's the lunch buffet? Looking for that lunch buffet. It was interesting. One of the things that we did is uh, we looked at our motto, the motto um, for Covenant College. It's a great one. Uh, it's, it says this, in all things, Christ preeminent. And we were looking at that motto uh, compared to another motto of a local Christian school that wasn't much far, farther down the road. And I'm about to tell you a story. It's not my notes. And this is a point in the sermon where my wife says, oh, Lord Jesus, help the man. Um, I remember I was up at Covenant College uh, dropping a kid off, and we stayed in one of their little cottages. They're very, very rustic little cottage. And, um, and you know, like any good institution, they're going to have their motto everywhere. And again, I've told you their motto. Uh, it's in all things Christ preeminent. And I was just amazed. I mean, it's, it's just everywhere. And so I, I went into the, uh, the restroom of the little cottage, and there's a little sign in the restroom right there, and it says, please do not put anything other than toilet paper in the bathroom, in the toilet. And then right underneath it says, in all things, Christ preeminent. And I, I'm just saying, man, that's like going overboard, you know? I mean, that's amazing. But one of the things that we were doing is we, we, we looked at the fact that uh, this motto that we have in, in, in Christ, all things preeminent, and there's a, a Christian school down the road, very good Christian school, uh, but their motto is this, listen to this, Christ above all. Now, do you see the distinction? Christ above all. I mean, what kind of worldview would you have from a college that says Christ above all? And what kind of worldview would you have from a college that says in all things Christ preeminent? When you think of Christ above all, it's a great motto and it's a great way to live. I mean, it's close to ours for Christ and his kingdom. But Christ above all could create in our mind's eye, there's a dichotomy between heaven and earth where all that matters is heaven and really, what doesn't matter is earth. What doesn't matter so much is here below, right? I mean, if it's just Christ above all, 
how does Christ above all affect the way that I get up and go to my job tomorrow? How does it affect your job? How does it affect the way you teach, the way you parent, the way, you know, you, you go to school, uh, the way you do anything, if it's just above? You know, is it, is it we, we try to prioritize our lives. Is it basically that we just got to get Jesus in the right spot above all? Or is it that we got to get Jesus in all? And I tell you the truth right now, the, the truth is, is that you read scripture and Jesus says he created all things for his glory. It was all created in and for and through him. So look at this amazing distinction. Christ above all may seem, eh, doesn't matter what I do here. But in all things Christ preeminent, doesn't that sound like the Lord's prayer? When the Lord tells us to pray, what's he say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. That's why it's so important. He says, you got to love me with all your mind. Because you got to know my will here on earth. So that heaven can come through you. And you can fill this whole place with my love and my glory. You ever heard the phrase, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. By the way, I don't think I've ever met that person. Have you? I think the most of us were way too earthly minded to be any good, but let's just go with it for a little while. You're, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, you see, God's will, listen to this track with me here. God's will is that his will be done now on earth as it is in heaven. Now. So really what that's saying is we must be heavenly minded to be any earthly good, Right? And we must be heavenly minded. We, we, we must have a mind for Christ in all things for us to be any earthly good. Now, this isn't talking about earthly good in a, mora- a morality kind of way. I mean, God's people are called to be like Jesus, and there's no one who lived a more moral, holy life. But there's so much more here when God tells us that we're to be heavenly minded so we can what? Advance Christ's kingdom. So that we can have his mind, so we can carry out his purposes here on earth. More, much more than just a moral sense. This is saying you and I need to be heavenly minded, real heavenly minded, because why? We're his ambassadors. He wants to tell his story through us. Man, don't you want to talk to him about that at the end of the day? Are you sure about this, God? I mean, we sing that you know us. And you love us just the same. And you still want to use us? i got to interject right here. That's one of Satan's greatest lies in your life. I heard it this week so many times. I've heard so many of you come to tell me and say, I am nothing. So many of you are basing your worth on your marriage, or that's failing marriage. So many of you are basing your worth on your kids, or that prodigal kid that's running away. So many of you are basing your worth on your marriage status. So many of you are basing your worth on if your house is in foreclosure or not. So many of you are basing your worth on all the stuff of this earth. And let me tell you something. If your mind's there and your worth's there, we aren't going to change the world. Why? Because God's love hasn't really penetrated our hearts enough for us to believe the gospel. That we're radically loved by God. That he set us free because of the blood of Christ. He's robed us in his righteousness. He's crazy about us as his children. And he wants us to be able to love him and love ourselves. Why? So we can love our neighbor. And I tell you what, the accuser, Satan, man, oh man, does he want to get in your grill? And does he want to lie to you and just tell you all that you're not? 
Turn to the one who will tell you all that you are in Christ Jesus. God wants us to have Christ in all things because truthfully, He wants to change the world. And it starts with us believing the good news of the gospel. It starts with us believing the truth about ourselves. Joe Creech and I, we were talking about what I was preaching on. Um, but, you know, we were talking about this message and Jeff, what are you preaching on? And he says, you know, our people believe lies. It's just, it's just they're all believing lies of, of who Satan says they are, who the mirror says they are. And it's been said that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Why? Because I think the truth leaks out of us sinners. And we forget, we forget the reality of how beloved we are in Christ Jesus. We forget that He who began a good work in us, He's going to finish it. We forget this amazing adoption that we have. That we're co-heirs with Christ. We forget that we're princes in God's army. We're princes. We're royalty. Listen, don't forget, Orangewood. You're a, in Christ Jesus, you're a chosen people. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You belong to God. Man, He shined His light into your darkness so that His light can shine into the world. God wants to change the world through you and me. And He wants to start by changing our lives and having us believe the truth of the Gospel. Here's the reality, folks. On humankind's very best day, we believe lies. On our very best day, when Adam created in God's image, living in paradise with God, with no predisposition to accept and understand or believe lies. And a one who was created holy, there was a deceiver who came alongside him on our best day, without sin. Satan lied, and we bought into it. Satan says, oh, listen, this, this sin thing's no big deal. You don't think you're really going to die, do you? God's trying to hide something from you. God doesn't want you to know the truth of good and evil. There's a better plan. There's a better plan in filling the earth with His love. Let's have your plan, Adam. We bought the lie. We took a bite of the forbidden fruit. And we've been buying the lie ever since. That's why we've got to keep telling ourselves the truth of who we are in Christ. Because Satan is telling you right now, That God either doesn't want to change the world or you could do nothing about it. But that's not true. And the only way we're going to be able to do what He wants us to do is to love Him specifically this morning with all of our minds. So let's let's continue to follow along within the bulletin. What is loving to God with all of our minds required? Interestingly, as I've studied this, uh, it says that this might be the one of the ones most neglected is to love God with all of our minds. Because we're told things that are true, like faith as large as or as small as a mustard seed gets us in, all right? I mean, that thief on the cross was with Jesus that day in paradise. Talk about amazing grace. And we feel like, hey, all, all you got to know is just this personal relationship with Jesus. And yes, that's the foundation of everything we believe. But somehow we've neglected that God's saying, I want you to love me with every single atom in your gray matter. Everything that I gave you. Everything should be turned toward me. Knowing me, loving me, growing your love and knowledge of me. Why? So you can represent me. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's the most neglected. I think it's true even here. And we are a place that loves education. (laughs) We have 
800 kids show up every week because we love education. And we love the fact that we're trying to tell kids about this great world of ours. We're, we're, we're a church that still believes in equipping centers and everything we can to fill our minds. But guys, we've got to love them with all of our hearts. Here's how we do it. First of all is this. It's let the word of God dwell in us richly. Uh, Colossians 3.16 uh, says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's make its home in you, uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is basically saying this word dwell is interesting. It's, it's really well translated. It's, may it find the truth in God's word. May it find its home in you. It, it's habitation. It's dwelling place. Home. The psalmist in Psalm 119.11 says this. He says we're to store God's word into our minds. We're to store it. Like a filing cabinet. I mean everything we can. I mean loaded on the disc of our minds. Why? So that we will not sin against God. So we can love Him with all of our hearts. And as we love Him, we love His Word. And as His Word dwells in us, and as, as, we, as we bask and marinate in God's Word, as God's Word becomes a, a part of our lives, as it, as it finds its home in our, in our minds, because we're there continually and, and we're daily and just murmuring God's Word and massaging God's Word into our beings and we're around it. And it's just like that comfy chair at home. You know that chair? You know your favorite chair or couch? You know, it just, it just has the aroma of home and your, your butt just fits perfectly in it. I mean, it just, it just works. It just, there's comfort there. You know, you're close to the remote and everything you need. It just, it's, it's home. Well, well, God's Word is saying this should be home to us. And how many just sit on the shelf and, and we don't know God's Word? I mean, it's a challenging story. It's an amazing story. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Why? Listen, this all, these all build on each other, so by, by the way. Why let the word of God dwell in you richly? So that we may have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16 uh, about the mind of Christ. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But Paul says of himself, and I believe is of us as well. But we have the mind of Christ. I told you that God always has a plan, and that plan is to fill the whole earth with his love. Okay? And I'll also say this. God always has a goal for you. And God's ultimate goal for you and for me is to be like Jesus. It's for us to have the heart of Jesus. It's for us to have the mind of Jesus. That is the goal. Why? Because Christ is the wisdom of God. So God's saying here, I want to change the world through you. I want to fill the earth up with, with my love through you. And so what I want to do is I want to fill your mind up with me. And here's how you do it. You marinate in my word. And so that you can have my mind. So you can think my thoughts. We had a, uh, a movie that my family had to watch about every year. Couldn't be a Jake's without watching Patton. Patton was a movie we saw, a World War II movie. Anybody ever see Patton? Patton, World War II general. Um, uh, amazing general, had some issues. Uh, uh, we won't get into those. Um, but he, uh, he's, in a, he's in a tank battle in Africa, and he's against his nemesis, uh, Rommel. Uh, Rommel is an uh, amazing German general. And uh, you have... 
you have Patton and he's looking through the eyeglasses and he's looking at the battlefield and he says this, and I quote with a little bit of sensory in my voice, he said, Rommel, you miraculous fatherless child. I read your book. I read your book, Rommel. And I know what you're doing. And I know where you're going. Because he had the mind of Rommel. He was able to counteract what the enemy was doing because he knew the book. And he knew what was going to happen. We're to be people of the book. We're to say, Jesus, you beautiful Savior, I read your book. And I know your plan. And I'm here to execute that. Listen, this, is, this, is, this isn't just theoretical theology stuff out there. This is the mind of Christ that shapes your marriage. And you need it. And I need it. Because I'm hearing about them. Oh, God wants me happy. I'll move on. I mean, the mind of Christ regarding our marriages, regarding our parenting, regarding our schooling, regarding our job, regarding our finances, our security. This is the mind of Christ in everything. Why? Well, let's keep going. The next point. In order to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Look at the order here. We marinate in God's Word so we can have the mind of Christ. We dwell there to have the mind of Christ. Why? In order to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So here you have in this passage Paul talking about his ministry and he's basically saying there's colliding worldviews. There's colliding worldviews, and, and, and we're smashing all the worldviews that say wrong things about Jesus, or wrong things about God, or wrong things about each other, or wrong things about the reason we're here. So Paul is saying there's a war going on, and it's a war of worldviews. And they lead to people flying planes in the buildings. They lead to radical stuff. Worldviews are amazingly important because they'll shape everything we see. And again, don't forget, we're to see life through the lenses of Christ. What's his goal? Fill the whole earth with his love. It's his goal. All right, so he says, uh, here's this worldview. I'm going to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. To be able to destroy the arguments. Listen, it's basically saying the fact that we have to have a defense up. We've got to know. When our doorbell rings and someone's going to tell us about a Jesus who's not, who's not really God, and, and can we defend who Jesus really is? It's, it's by the water cooler. When, when someone says something about another religion, it's being able to take every thought captive. Now, don't, now listen, don't get freaked out. I mean, it's not like you have to have a seminary degree and God loves you with the knowledge you have right now, but he loved him with all of our minds is that we're not satisfied with the love we have from him right now. We want to know and love him more. Why? Because we want to be able to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Again, we dwell in the Word to obtain the mind, to develop the worldview, to take every thought captive. Has Christ taken captive your heart? I know so many of you love Him. I mean, I love our worship because Jesus is so here. Has He taken captive your mind? He's the one who's created it. 
Why? For us to defend the cause of Christ, lastly. 2 Corinthians 5.20 reminds us of why we're here. Therefore, we are Christ ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God's plan always was, it is, and always will be to fill this place with His love. It's His glory. God's plan always was, it is, and it always will be, and it will come to fruition to use us to fill this place with His glory. We can't do it completely. One day He'll come. He'll come and finish it. But that's where we are today. To be able to defend the cause of Christ around your dinner table. In your your schools. Where you work. God wants to change the world through you. Do you believe it? He loves so much He gave. Will you give Him and love Him your minds? One of the boys that came to our house yesterday uh, passing through is going to Vanderbilt. Um, I guess he couldn't get in covenant. Um, He's in a religion class and he's losing his faith. Now our theology teaches us so once you have it, you know, he's not going to lose it completely. But he's up there at a school and trying to defend the cause of Christ. Man. That's his, that's his world. What's yours? And God's saying, I want to change the world through you. Love me with all your mind. Give me all your gray matter. Don't just take the cliff notes. Get in my word and dig for my glory. Hey, in the bulletin, uh, I've given you a list, and, and I don't have time to go through it. Uh, it's a list of, uh, I just kind of did this off the top of my head, of some books um, that you may uh, take this home. There's some devotional books, books about God, theology, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Trinity. It's on front and back on prayer. Um, a great tool. Uh, I, I also list some other authors there. They're not just Reformed Presbyterian authors. It's a pretty broad voice of people, but I think that's loving him with all of our mind. Orangewood, don't, don't be lazy. Let's don't settle. Let's love our Lord, our God, with all of our mind. Let's pray. Father God, this probably is one of the most neglected aspects of loving you. We get lazy and we get soft and we, we know good theology that all we got to have is a faith that's small as a mustard seed. But the reality is, is not only uh, do, we, do we stay there sometimes, oftentimes we just believe this lie that God doesn't want to change the world or he doesn't want to change the world through us. And, and we think that we don't have enough gray matter. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. But man, we're, we're children of the King in Christ Jesus. I mean, we're the princes of Jesus. And He wants to have the world know His love through us. So God, You've given us what we have and You've placed us where we are. And may we love You with all of our minds. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.